Hey everyone, I know it's been a while since I've shared my story on my podcast. So if you'd like to listen to the lessons of my journey and learn from them or re-listen to the lessons of my journey and learn from them, please tune in on this episode of The Playbook. This is Entrepreneur's The Playbook. I thought I'd talk about the three worlds that I've lived in uh, in my lifetime, my journey, and my journey's full of lessons. I believe that uh, the purpose of our journey is to learn lessons and pain is only an indicator that we have lessons to learn. Setbacks, failures, and mistakes, which I've made plenty, are not punishment for something I've done. It's just simply propelling me to a better place, a better situation. And I was born into the first world that a lot of us are born into, and it's a world of not enough. Uh, anyone here grow up poor? Some of you, good. Well, I feel, I feel sorry for the rest of you because you can never teach someone what that's like. Uh, but moreover, I grew up in a world of not enough that was full of love. I had a single mom, six kids in my family, five boys, one girl. My mom was a second grade teacher who packed our dinners in a paper bag, took us off into a country squire station wagon to fill up turnstiles at convenience stores with greeting cards just so we could eat. My you know, special night out was two large french fries and a big bowl shared between six kids. Uh, and I dreamed when I was young of being rich. I wanted to leave the world of not enough. I was tired of being a victim, everything happening to me. Why me? I wanted to solve the one problem that was existing in my life, which was financial frustration. Only time I wasn't happy was when I would catch my mom crying because the car would break down or we couldn't afford rent or food. And I decided at five years old that I was going to solve that problem with money, that money would buy me the last corner pin of happiness. It would buy me happiness and love. I would buy my mom a house, a car, and I'd live happily ever after. I would tell you, I'm old. I actually had one other thing that I was gonna do with my million dollars. I was gonna retire. So I was gonna buy my mom a house, a car, and retire on a million dollars. Yeah, that didn't work out so well when I made my first million. Uh, But when I was five, it seemed like a good idea. Uh, And anyway, I, learned because of my mission two things in this world of not enough. One, I learned in order to get what I wanted, I had to enjoy the consistent everyday, persistent without quit pursuit of my potential. And that pursuit started at five to be a professional football player. And I quickly learned that that was the wrong potential. Uh, That wasn't gonna get me there. Uh, I did get a scholarship to college to play football got ran over by Christian Okoya, and as I laid on my back, I quoted my mom who always said, doctor, lawyer, or failure. So I immediately after the season went to visit my brother in med school, and he was doing his residency actually, and I visited him in the hospital and I looked around me and he said, what's the matter? I said, man, I hate hospitals. He almost fell over. I was 18 years old, I was pre-med, God knows I wasn't gonna be a football player, and that's when he gave me the most valuable lesson that I may have ever learned. And if you have notepads or pads or or computers in front of you, write this down because still today at 53 years old, it changes my life. He told me, David, you need to be more interested than interesting. And I see so many people in life, you know, they come to me for so much advice. I mentor billionaires, millionaires, entrepreneurs, celebrities, athletes, entertainers. And so often they'll ask me for investment advice and I'll say, So what's your timing and risk tolerance? I don't know. 
or they'll ask me for life advice and I'll say, well, what do you want? I don't know. You need to be more interested than interesting. And that changed my life. So when I decided that I couldn't be a doctor because even sports doctors had to go to hospitals, not sidelines and locker rooms, I decided to be more interested in being a lawyer. So my objective was to buy my mom a house and a car and to be rich. So I actually did the research to find out what law profession paid the most money, what law school had the most graduates in that profession. And I ended up going to Tulane University because they had the top maritime law program for oil and gas litigators. And oil and gas litigators litigators made the most money. That process of connecting the dots backwards, of being able to know what I want, who can help me, who can I help, and how I'm going to get there has helped me determine not only getting there, but also what to do to get there and how to prioritize what to do, which is to me the greatest challenge that most people have when they're making decisions of how to get to where they want to be is they don't know how to prioritize it so they don't do anything. They feel overwhelmed, stuck, or a variety of other emotional resisting feelings that uh, cause us not to get what, a, what we want. Uh, so anyway, I graduate law school and sure enough, I get a job offer for $150,000 a year as an oil and gas litigator. But I also, because I want to be rich, I've always kept my options open. In other words, I was always out to the highest bidder to make the most money I can. So I ended up getting a job offer in 1992 to sell internet, to sell the legal research on the internet. So I went to my mother in this world of not enough the woman who wanted stability and security for me and said, hey, what job, mom, should I take $150,000 lawyer or $250,000 salesperson? Without blinking, she said, David, you need to be a real lawyer. This internet thing, it's not going to last. It's a fad. Don't even think about it. I learned a second valuable lesson, so write this down. Just because somebody loves you And my mom still today loves me way too much and thinks way too much of me. But just because somebody loves you does not mean they give you good advice. I see so many people that, number one, don't ask for help. Or if they do ask for help, they go to the people that love them the most, care about them the most, but don't know anything about what they're asking about. My mom was a second grade teacher. She was never in a business, never knew business, and certainly didn't know technology. The easiest way to get to where you want to be after you know your what is to know your who. Who sits in the situation that you want to be in? The easiest way to get to where you want to be is to ask someone who's already there for directions. I don't know why, but even today, the number one reason people don't get to where they want to be, literally and figuratively, is they don't ask for directions from someone that knows them. We are living as radical, humble people by giving away everything and feeling as if We are very abundant because we give away things, but we're too afraid to ask for help. We're too afraid to receive. Let me just tell you this, in every aspect from gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, effective communication, from money, from faith, if you don't have it, you can't give it. So I teach people these primary five daily practices to receive so you can give with all those great intentions that you have to create abundance for everyone, to live in this world of more than enough. So many people actually are in their own way because they have a screwed up paradigm that you give to receive. Yes, if you give, you will receive, but you gotta receive to give. And the more you give, the more you receive. And too many people miss the first step 
of being comfortable with receiving. And the easiest way to receive is to ask for help. Easiest way to ask for help is a simple question that qualifies people as either one, close-minded, or two, open-minded sponsor or an open-minded power sponsor. I used to train salespeople, thousands of them in my career. I ran Samsung's phone division in my 20s. And as a multimillionaire, I thought that I was doing everyone a service by teaching you how to sell to the avatar, the specific lowest hanging fruit. But especially today in the context of social media and the reach that we have and the communicative tools that we have, all you need to do is qualify people. One is closed-minded, two is an open-minded sponsor or an open-minded power sponsor. What's a closed-minded person? Someone who you ask an open-ended question to and they won't give you an answer. Like, how are you doing today? What do you do? If they don't give you that answer, they're closed-minded. If they're very short, they're closed-minded. If you can get them to answer that question, you can learn about them and then you can ask them, would it help you if, or do you know anyone that can help me? The easiest way to find out if someone's a sponsor or a power sponsor is to ask them, do you know anyone that can help me? If they say, yes, I can help you and I know people that can help you, they're a power sponsor. If they say, yes, I know someone that can help you, they're a sponsor of yours. You've now created another investor in you. It actually has added power to you. It has created abundance and a flow that not only reaffirms, reconnects, remind, and remembers who and what you're connected to and through the greatest source of power, light, love, and lessons, but it allows you to acknowledge, acquire the knowledge of the appreciation, the ability of you to add value to what you receive and give it away. But too many people cut off that flow because they live in a world of not enough, They're a victim, everything happens to them, and they're too afraid to ask for help. And they actually enable themselves not to give help because they can't give what they don't have. The greater you expand, grow, and accelerate will be determined by what you allow to come through you. That's how we grow. There's a quantitative measure of expansion. Consider yourself a flexible pipe that the more water you pump through yourself, the wider and bigger you get and the more water you're going to receive or have the capability to receive. See, you already are happy, healthy, worthy, and wealthy. You're just got the wrong paradigm. You're trying to get healthy, trying to get wealthy, trying to get happy instead of knowing I already am connected to and through happy health, wealth, and worthiness. What am I doing to interfere with it? What am I doing to constrict the input so I have constricted output? Let's open it up and let's understand that the best way to open up is to know our what and our who. And so that's what I did. I ended up understanding and learning this through my 20s. I always say I moved from the first world of not enough to a world of just enough. See, I was under the auspice that the more I gave, the more I receive. I was a philanthropist, always giving as a trade or a negotiation, a quid pro quo in a limited scarce world where there was just enough for me. See, I was a multimillionaire by the time I was 30, married to my dream girl, able and capable of buying anything that I wanted, believing and reaffirming from the time I, nine months out of law school, made my first million till the time I was 30, I believe money bought love and happiness. Everything was for me, and I was able to give to receive and trade, and whether it was donating money to get acknowledgement or buy my mom a house and a car so I could feel as if I was her favorite child, or donating money so you know some sort of quid pro quo that I would receive something back. By the time I was 30, running Samsung's phone division, the world's first smartphone, which in 1999 they called a convergence device, by the way. They, weren't as smart, I guess, but they were big and expensive. And everyone told me that 
they were too big and too expensive. And now I walk around with people spending much more money for much bigger devices than I had. Uh, but moreover, I moved from a world of not enough to a world of just enough, just enough for me. It's still a scarce world. So many people live in this world. They're buying things to make themselves happy. And if they're not happy, they buy more things. And if they're not happy, they buy different things. And if they're not happy, they buy things to impress people. And if they're not happy, the worst, which I did, I bought things to impress people I didn't even like. See, one of the things I've learned as a top business coach in the world is that 80% of my time is spent as other people spend their time with people that bleed me. So I work with some of the biggest companies in the world. I had one of a big oil company that I work with, and they literally were spending 80% of their effort on a client that made them $20 million. Meanwhile, they barely had any resources put to a client that made them $20 billion. And I said, how is this resource allocation healthy? And they said, well, these people, they need a lot of help. They're high maintenance. We don't want to lose the business. And these guys have been us from the very beginning. They're never going to leave us. I said, whether or not they leave you or not is not the business issue. Quantitatively, let's take the 80% of the resources, fire the people that bleed us, the clients that bleed us, the family members that bleed us, the friends that bleed us, and let's put the resources into the people that feed us and watch the doubling effect, whether they're going to leave us or not. Let's watch the 20 billion turn into 40 billion and screw the 20 million and let and utilize the extra resources to go find another $20 billion company or at least a client, a family member, or a friend that will feed us. See, in the world of just enough, you have to be able to incorporate the spectrum of what feeds you because receiving now is your new paradigm. And you have complete confidence in feeding in the world of just enough to a world of more than enough because when you live in the world of more than enough, more than enough of everything, not buying the things you don't need to impress people don't like. You have all the faith in the world, the second currency, that what comes to you and through you is for everyone else. You don't know what you have until you give it in a way. And those people who recognize, acknowledge, remember, and remind themselves of that flow of the oneness that exists in the universe, a universe that has more than enough of everything for everyone, feel very comfortable receiving and asking for help. And they spend the majority of their time with people that feed them, not people that bleed them. And believe it or not, what makes it so incredible is now they are capable of feeding others. They're actually more capable of feeding others than spending the majority of the time with people that bleed you. I went through a transformation from that world of just enough to more than enough. When I was 30, my dad warned me that I was living in the wrong world, which is probably the last person that should have warned me because I really didn't heed his advice because at 10 years old, when my dad, he was my hero, even though he left my mom, I still suffer from extreme childhood trauma guilt. I joke around, my mom was a, an amazing mom. All my siblings went to the Ivy Leagues. They all graduated summa cum laude from Penn, Harvard, Columbia. And people asked me, how did your mom do it? I said, two easy ways. Here's some advice if any of you are parents on how to raise your children. This is what I learned from what I consider the best parent in the world, my mother, is number one, wake your kids up early. My mom woke us all up at 5 a.m. As much as I wanted to get into trouble on a Friday or Saturday night, I was the kid sleeping on the couch at the party when people were doing drugs and alcohol and would come home with, you know, a, you know some obscenity on my forehead and marker because they were making fun of me because I couldn't stay awake. The second 
rule of good parenting is my mom was a black belt. She was a black belt in the martial arts, a black belt in the martial art of Jewish guilt. So uh, use guilt and wake up your kids early. They will be hyper uh, successful like my siblings. Uh, but anyway, my dad, I used to sit in the back car. My dad was a deadbeat dad. He left when I was five, cheated on my mom. And I used to tell my mom, why can't you be more like dad? Because my dad was rich, married to a girl that was closer to my age than him, driving around a convertible Cadillac in the 70s. And what did I know, right? My mom was so humble, never said a negative word about my dad. But when I was 10, I realized that my dad was a cheater. He was a manipulator, a liar, an overseller, a back-end seller because he forgot my birthday, which was bad enough. But when I confronted him, he said, I didn't forget your birthday. I don't believe in birthdays. Meanwhile, he was celebrating everybody's birthday. I mean, I was stupid, but not that stupid at 10. So I hated my father. But at 30 years old, the last person that I would think would change my life or give me good advice, my father sent me a birthday present for the first time in 20 years. He sent me a beautiful sport coat. And the minute I put it on, I was married uh, just recently to my dream girl who I met in the fourth grade, asked her to go steady in the sixth grade. Uh, I threw a friend at sixth grade camp and she, he yelled out in front of everyone, dude, she said no, because I didn't ask her myself. And I threw rocks at her, I actually threw an egg at her and hit her. Uh, so still, once again, reaffirming money buys love and happiness. There 20 some years later, she married me. Uh, but I was sitting there and I get this jacket and I start crying. My wife said, what's the matter? I said, oh my gosh, I've been dreaming about having a relationship with my father. He finally gets it. And as I opened up the jacket to see if it said, especially made for David Meltzer's birthday or Armani or something, because it was so nice, he had torn out all the pockets in my jacket. I went from complete joy back to rage. I called my father immediately. I, he answered the phone. I said, dad, why are you punishing me? He said, oh, happy birthday, son. I said, Happy birthday, why are you punishing me on my birthday? He said, how am I punishing you? I said, you gave me this gorgeous jacket and I can't wear. You're trying to punish me. What are you trying to prove? He said, no, no. He said, I'm not trying to prove anything. The jacket's not for wearing. I said, then what is it for? He said, I want you to take it and hang it in your closet to remind you every day that money does not buy love or happiness, that you can't be the richest man in the cemetery, that you cannot take anything with you when you're gone. I am concerned for you, son, because you're just like me. I immediately said, I'm nothing like you. You're a liar, a cheater, manipulator, overseller, backend seller. I hate you. And I hung up. When I was 30 years old, I was a multimillionaire, married to my dream girl in my dream house. That was the first time in a long time anyone have ever told me the truth. There's a book by Stephen Hertz called Don't Take Yes for an Answer. That's all I've been taking for an answer from all the different people that were taking and bleeding me. Of course, they're going to take yes to me all the time. Six years later, my life would change. And that's when I would transform. I'd transform from the world of just enough to this world of more than enough. Six years later, I was running Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment. That's right, it's the movie they based uh, Jerry Maguire off of. And not only was I a multimillionaire, but I had access to everything. Fields like this, this is not a, a green screen. This is my office. I had access that nobody else could have. Super Bowl, Pro Bowl, Masters, Kentucky Derby, Breeders' Cup, ESPYs, Emmys, Oscars, Grammys. So I took my best friend, Rob. 
He's actually the guy that asked my wife to go study for me at sixth grade camp. I had known him a long time. I wanted to surprise him and take him to the masters, fly private, go into meet Wayne Gretzky and Joe Montana, go to the cabins with Curtis Strange, all the cool things I got to do. So I asked him to come with me and he looked at me and he said, not a chance. I said, what do you mean, Rob, not a chance? He's like, Dave, I don't like who you hang out with and I don't like what you're doing. I looked at him and I said, come on, Rob, I'm not doing what those guys are, other guys are doing. He said, David, you can lie to me all you want, but stop lying to yourself. Two weeks later, I asked my wife if I could go to the Grammy Awards uh, with one of my friends and clients, Little John. He's a rapper who got fairly famous, even more famous after that. And my wife said, I don't want you to go. You're not paying attention to your family. You're not paying attention to work and you are drinking and partying way too much. Stay home. Let's talk about this. So I lied to her, told her I had a business meeting, changed my clothes in the car, went and party at the Grammy Awards, came home at 5.30 in the morning, completely obliterated. And that's when my life would change. When I walked in, my wife looked at me and told me, I am not happy. I am leaving you. You better take stock in who you are and who you were and what you want to become. Because if you don't, I don't want to be around to watch you die. I wish I was ready to hear my dad. I wish I was ready to hear my best friend, Rob. And I certainly wish I would have heard my wife that night. But I didn't. I woke up the next morning saying, I'm going to steal my wife's happiness. I'm going to take her money. We had three kids under five, three beautiful girls, healthy and happy. We had everything we ever dreamed of. I owned a golf course, a ski mountain. I owned 33 homes in San Diego alone. I could do and buy anything I wanted. And I just thought to myself, who the hell is she to tell me she's not happy? I did all of this myself. How dare her? I'm going to show her. And I'm thinking about calling that lawyer. And I look over in the closet. And there was that jacket. And I just broke down crying. I still get choked up thinking about seeing that jacket there and coming to the realization that I had lived in a world of not enough for too long, just enough buying things I didn't need to impress people I didn't like for too long. That I didn't hate my wife. I didn't hate my dad. I hated my life and myself. I was a liar, a cheater, a manipulator, an overseller, a back-end seller. And I better take stock in who I was. So I took stock and I sat down and I said to myself, I'm going to live with gratitude. I'm going to live and learn to love everything I do. I'm going to live to pursue my potential, find the light, the love and the lessons in everyone and everything. I'm going to determine who's bleeding me and who's feeding me. I'm going to change my life and not only through gratitude by saying thank you every morning and every night, but I'm going to forgive myself because I can't give what I don't have and I'm gonna forgive myself so I can forgive others. I don't forgive others because they deserve it. I forgive others because I deserve it. And I was gonna live in accountability and remind myself that I am in control of my life, that I attract everything to myself. All I need to do is ask myself, what am I supposed to learn from it? And then learn not only to effectively communicate with other people that give and receive, but shift the paradigm to receive first to effectively communicate with the greatest source of light, love, and lessons, to know that I am happy, I am healthy, I am wealthy, I am worthy, and just look and determine what am I doing to interfere with it. 
by using gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, and effective communication over the last 13 years, which included two years after I took stock in who I was, creating daily practices that took me from bankruptcy of losing over $100 million back to making more money, helping more people, and having more fun than I've ever believed. I utilize my TV shows, my podcasts, my books, my speaking, my coaching, my masterminds, all of the things that I get to do now specifically to teach people four values and five daily practices. I'm gonna tell you those five daily practices, but in case I speak too quickly before I take some Q&A, write them down. I will send everyone my daily practices, my books. I will send you an ebook, an audiobook. I'll sign a copy of my book. I will send it to you. I'll pay for shipping and the book. I am on a mission to empower people like you, all of you to empower others to empower. And this is the secret sauce of my life. Number one, know your what. Ask yourself every day, what do I want? Personally, what do I want? Experientially, what do I want? Giving-wise, what do I want? Receiving, what do I want? And don't be afraid of changing your mind and telling yourself, I don't know what I don't know. I'm learning things as I go. Pain is simply a propeller to something better in a better situation. It's not a punishment. It's not a stop sign. It's a turn signal. You need to know what you want. And once you know what you want, now you can ask yourself, who can I help? And who can help me with what I want? So know your who is number two. Then number three, know your how. See, when you know your how, you're implementing the mathematical equation of luck. Most people look at my life. If you met my wife, I guarantee you'll say this. He is so lucky. If you met my children, you would say he is so lucky. When you shadow me, you'll say he is so lucky. And I'll tell you, you're damn right. You know why? Because I know the mathematical equation of luck. What I pay attention to and what I give intention to, what I think, say, do, believe, knowing my unconscious competencies, personality traits, characteristics, obsessions, and addictions, aggregating what I pay attention to and what I give intention to will equal the coincidences in my life. I no longer care if somebody laughs at me, scoffs at me, makes fun of me, because I tell them I'm gonna change the world by empowering over a billion people to be happy, to make more money, help more people, and have more fun. I don't care because people have laughed at me, scoffed at me, made fun of me, and they are protecting me because those people have closed mind and they only attract other people with closed mind who laugh at me, scoff at me and make fun of me. But they give power to all those people that execute on the what, the who, the how, the now and the why. They give power to me. And I know that if people laugh at me, scoff at me and make fun of me, eventually they will applaud me. And so I only focus in on the attention and intention of what I want, not what other people want for me, not what's missing, not what I don't want, but the coincidences I want by utilizing, and I will send student in my calendar. I study what I planned, what I don't have planned in my sleep. I don't believe in work. I believe in activity I get paid for, activity I don't get paid for, and my sleep. My tomorrow starts today at 9 p.m. I have an unwinding routine to put my body, mind, and soul in exact position to plateau and grow. Most people are stuck. They live their life like the myth of Sisyphus that can't move the stranger. They push a boulder to the top of the hill every day just to have it be at the bottom of the hill. Don't live that life. Plateau and grow. Plateau and accelerate and compound the interest of your life. Expand by receiving to give. By living in a world of more than enough of everything for everyone, by not only using the currency of money, because money does not buy love or happiness, it allows you to shop. 
Money is an energy. It's a currency. It's an object of energy you put into the flow to get what you want. If you know what you want, you will be happy. If you shop for what you don't want, what other people want for you, what you don't need or to impress other people, there's another currency that exists within the context of knowing your how. And the currency is faith. See, faith is a currency. It's an object of energy that we put into the flow to get what we want. And if we shop for what we want with our faith, the same results will happen. Faith is the ultimate GPS because not only will it reroute us when we get off at the wrong exit or have a flat tire, end up at the donut shop instead of the gym, not only will it reroute us just like a GPS, but faith is even better because it will change our destination to something better than we could even think. It is an affirmation that we don't know what we don't know. It's an affirmation that we have three laws that we live by, the law of gravity, that you need to be grateful every day. You need to say thank you every day before you go to bed and when you wake up. I've studied physics, metaphysics, quantum physics. I'm on the Transformational Leadership Council with Deepak Chopra, Jack Canfield, Bob Proctor, the biggest and greatest minds of the world, Oprah Winfrey. They all agree gratitude is the most powerful thing and it's free. And it takes about 0.1 seconds to say, and it's guaranteed to change your life. And everybody's shaking their head, but here's the saddest thing about gratitude. By tonight, half of you won't say gratitude. Thank you. By tomorrow morning, another half of you won't say thank you. Within three days, the rest of us won't say thank you. I've given you the easiest, fastest, simplest, cheapest way to get gracious and abundant, and yet we all are too far in our own way, creating interference between us and the truth, our potential, the greatest source of light, love, and lessons, living in a world of not enough, just enough, instead of in a world of faith where we're going to end up somewhere better in the law of gravity says, I'm thankful for where I am. I'm at the right place at the perfect time. John Asaroff taught me the law of Goya, G-O-Y-A. Get off your ass. Nothing happens till you move. Do not sit at home high on your mom's couch, sick, broke, blaming everybody else, dreaming about a Ferrari. Go out and get it if that's what's going to make you happy. And then finally, if you institute the law of gravity and the law of Goya, the law of allowance and attraction will take place. You will create a void for the universe to fill instead of lying, cheating, overselling, manipulating others to create a void that you'll never be able to fulfill because you don't know what you don't know. You may have the best intentions in the world. Let the universe fill the void. You don't need to oversell, back and sell, lie, manipulate, and cheat to fill a void that you can't. Have faith that that pain, struggle, mistakes, and setbacks are just pushing you to a better place. Have faith that it's going to be better. Just because it's not working out now is a good thing. It was not meant to be. As long as you have the law of gravity and the law of Goya in place, you will get there. Be happy where you're at, angle to what you want, and know that you're going to end up somewhere better. And if you do that through knowing your what, your who, and your how, you then will be able to implement and execute your now. You'll be able to prioritize things instantly by what's important to you, not what's important to other people, what's missing or what you don't want. What's important to you, you will know your now, what to do. The difference between successful people, passionate people, purposeful people, and profitable people is they get shit done. 100% of the things you do now get done. The other people are just dreaming and thinking about what they want to do, but they haven't figured out the what, the who, and the how, because what are they doing? They're searching for their why. 
You already have your why. You are happy, healthy, worthy, and wealthy. You're connected to your why. You don't have to worry about the mountains in front of you because that which created the mountain is inside of you and walks beside you at all times. What are you worried about the why? See, if you know your what, your who, your how, and your now, you will apply your why and you'll be more efficient, effective, and statistically successful when you do that. And more importantly, you'll make more money, help more people, and have more fun. And more important, you'll live in a world of more than enough of everything for everyone. You will be abundant. You will feel good about receiving, knowing that your full intent is to give it away, to expand, grow, and accelerate for the greater good. Life is longing for itself. The universe is expanding upon itself. So are you. Utilize the physics, metaphysics, and quantum physics that exist around you to live in a world of more than enough. Don't limit yourself. When I came up with the idea that I'm going to power over a billion people, even my brother, who's a famous rabbi, laughed at me and said, who do you think you are, Jesus Christ? And it made me nervous. And I'm like, no one's going to believe me. Why am I doing this? I have such a great life. I'm going to be laughed at. I'm losing my credibility. People are going to think that I'm Tony Robbins or Jesus Christ. What am I talking about? And then I realized there's a trillion universes out there. And although it might sound outrageous, it might sound bold, it might sound ridiculous, I'm asking for crumbs. That's all. A billion people, are you killing me? I'm gonna empower over a billion. That's just crumbs comparatively to the size, scope, and scale of what the possibilities, probabilities, and other people's perspective was. I tell everyone, 25 years ago, if I met Bezos and he was in his garage and he said to me, Dave, I'm gonna make over a trillion dollars, be the richest man on earth from selling books out of my garage, I would have laughed at him, scoffed at him, and made fun of him. I'll tell you, today I applaud him because he, his reality surpassed my imagination. My reality surpasses many imaginations also because I live in the what, the who, the how, and the now applying my why with the values of gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, and effective communication, allowing me to live in a world of more than enough, a world that doesn't happen to me or for me, but instead through me, an inspired world in spirit, allowing me to receive all that I can and appreciate it, adding my value to it, so I can give it away. I appreciate everybody in your time. Please live with those four values, five daily practices. Email me, david at dmeltzer.com. If you want any of my books, templates, exercises, david at dmeltzer.com. I am of service and I appreciate all of you. Thank you.